L. Dot O. Dot X. Dot at the end. Hi, this is Cassidy Hubbers, and you're listening to Ballin' Out. What's up, guys? This is Adele. This is Natalie. And you're listening to Ballin' Out. <laughs> and the last one of 2016, <laughs> dun, y'all. Dun, we dun. made it to 15 episodes, Natalie. Yeah. What? One five. Just got to do a high five here. High five. High five. Um, It's been a long, crazy year. Can't believe been. how fast... Um, it, it went whizzed by, yeah. but lots, lots happened. Yes, a lot has happened. <laughs> lots happened even just this week that right. we're trying to talk about. Like, <laughs> and we want to do a little bit of your end stuff, so we're gonna dive in just straight away. Yeah, for sure. I mean, first things first, we have to, you know, give and give a mention to the interviewing legend Craig Sager, the most dapperest, colorful mm-hmm. man to ever, I don't know, be on the sidelines. I guess definitely. Um, and you know, it was just such a hit. Yeah. Even though we've been celebrating we've been, his life and legacy yeah. as we should, um, but it just seemed like you know he was going to make it to the Olympics. Know. You know, I just wanted him to get to the Olympics, but you know, he's been you know working, put people who, you know, who aren't even sick to shame with his yeah. work ethic, yeah. which is something to admire. It's just it's insane. I mean, that kind of dedication and sort of sense of purpose while also like prioritizing being an excellent person is something yeah. that I think we all can Trying to get leukemia to. treatments throughout the entire situation. It's just, you know, it's insane. But, you know, everybody has been really focusing on that sense of joy that he brought to each person that mm-hmm. he interviewed or interacted with, you know, with um, Golden, Warrior, uh, Golden State Warriors coach Steve Kerr doing a, a moment of joy instead of a moment of silence, which was amazing. And, you know, the ever so elusive Big Pop, yeah, Greg Popovich, yeah. you know, saying that the most amazing part of him was his courage. So, you know, it's it's it's, it's everything. It's everything, really, that uh, Craig's personality and the way that he did his job was ju- just made him a, like a magnetic force yeah. to be around. Yeah. No, it's like, I don't know. I saw this tweet. Like that just this is only sort of tangentially related, but it was like somebody making a joke and they're like a sports reporter asks Obama about, you know, Russia. And the question was just like, tell me about like our relationship with Putin. And it was just like a joke about like how sports reporters ask questions. And he obviously like defied that. So, yeah, like so incredibly, you know, he always had the right questions and, you know, got impressive answers that other people couldn't get. And so it's just like. You know, reminder to all of us, like, take your job seriously and people Mm -hmm. respect you more and, you know, whatever. And another person who, you know, transitions right into that so gracefully is one Tim Duncan. Tim, my love, my <laughs> my favorite. Natalie, I was babe. like disappointed that he had a girlfriend like at the retirement ceremony. It's just like, ugh. I did my, my Googles. They've been together tonight. since 2013. Ugh. She is a former oh, amazing race contestant. <laughs> Dog That's lover. her claim to fame. <laughs> hey, 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 no okay. shade, no shade. Know, we'll keep it cool. We'll no, keep it no cool. Shade. It's but fine. this is all no, about Timmy. I'm happy Timmy. that he's, I'm happy that he's happy. Um, For sure. But yeah, it was just, it was such a sweet ceremony. Yeah. So last night, just in case you guys have not heard or were living under a rock, um, (laughs) he retired his number 21 jersey on the San Antonio Spurs Sunday night before the The team went against the Pelicans. And they won. They won. 113 to 100, as they should. And um, Duncan is actually the eighth Spur in franchise history to retire his jersey. Get his number retired, Yeah. yeah. 
and it was just great. All the speeches were appropriate. Yeah, Tony Parker. A great Manu. mix of comedy and gifable uh, moments. Yes. Which is great. Or gifable, whatever. I still don't. It's 2016. I still can't say that word right. I, I think it's like up for debate. I like <laughs> gif better than jif. I think jif I is do. weird because jif is like peanut butter. Yep. But gif is that's exactly see this is why you're my co-host because i would have said the same exact answer jiff is peanut butter through and through um and this is where we go on our tangent but yes jim duncan had a great ceremony as he deserves but the best part was pop yeah we'll just dedicate a whole episode to big pop moments what if someday he comes on balling out he never will but speak it into existence you never know i would love to know what is on pop's playlist playlist (laughs) i feel like it's all like opera like i I don't know classical music you never know you know pal gasol is a big opera fan so maybe they've been sharing some interesting yeah fact fact alert i didn't know that um, but yeah, that was such a fitting ceremony. And, um, you know, this whole year has just been full of insanity. Yes. Um, I, I don't even know where to begin, to be honest. But it's for well, for this weekend, we had Common sitting down with, with his Saru, with his ex, with, with his ex but <laughs> all, but more importantly, the tennis legend. Yes. And Possibly my body goals inspiration athlete <laughs> or greatest athlete of all time, depending male on male or female. To. Doesn't yeah. matter. Serena Williams. I Um, and it was such a spirited conversation about race and identity, especially after tumultuous year mm-hmm. it, that was 2016. And even just for Serena specifically. And just for Serena. I mean, she like had a lot of kind of open discussion and debate about like, you know, what role her identity has for her mm-hmm. and sort of got all this flack that was racially charged. Yep. And, you know, she spoke really frankly in the interview. She was like, no, like I would be the greatest all time of all time. Like if I eight years a woman. ago, if like, I weren't a woman, yes, yeah. a black woman the, at that yeah. too. But yeah, I think it's just like it's true. People don't want to give women <laughs> credit for anything, and it's like you know you see that with Hillary Clinton, yeah. you see it with Serena Williams. It's like I still this is very small political aside, but reading I was reading the New Yorker last weekend, and they still talk about Hillary as a flawed candidate. They're like she may have been a flawed candidate, and it's like. Everyone is flawed. Yeah. Literally every person, every person in the world yeah. is flawed. Every presidential candidate has been flawed. Why do we only talk about it when we talk about Hillary? Yeah. You know, yeah. Donald I mean, Trump I is a flawed candidate. But no, whatever. But yeah, anyway, Serena just sort of giving the a team. moment yes. to that sort of to speak frankly about what her career has been like mm-hmm. to be so prolifically successful and to still have to talk about these questions Absolutely. you know it's yeah. just like insane. but i love the vehicle like so shout out to the undefeated who who got that together um and yeah and it's gonna be in the magazine ESPN. yeah and it's gonna be it's in the like magazine nice sort of but this is the kind work. of conversations that need to happen that span across pop culture whether it's mm-hmm. sports whether it's music it's something that um justifies any type of barriers and it's something that needs to be spoken about especially after a year like 2016 definitely give mainstream media coverage to people who you know yeah want to talk about their identities and whatever who may not be white males (laughs) (laughs) there you go see exactly um and then of course uh there were other you know just other guess sports little meets moments. music little moments that have happened over the past uh or since our last podcast actually yeah um bill simmons interviewed gucci Mane. yes which i haven't listened to yet but i did read the for the ringer yes and they were 
talking about just, you know, Gucci Mane is from Atlanta, so they were just talking about the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, and how Gucci wants to become a part owner of the Hawks. <laughs> yes. Which seems, like, doable, I feel like, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what... I, don't I mean, know if how he was able to... Is, right, so. if he was able to afford that humongous glacier that he put right, on his girlfriend's right. hand, I'm pretty sure that a chunk of that could be put towards becoming a, a minority a part, owner yeah, exactly. in, a, in, a, in a basketball team. Um, so only time will tell if that'll happen. Uh, yeah. Also, Jay-Z popped up at the Giants versus Cowboys game and to then, dap up Des Bryant. And it was, like, awkward because, like, you know, Giants, New York, state <laughs> yes. of mind, yep. Mr., you know, Jay-Z, Mr. Sean <laughs> Carter, like, there to root for the Cowboys. And so I saw a lot of Giants yeah. fans online who Giving were a little bit like, uh. And then the Cowboys lost yeah you know, one of see. their two losses of the entire season i know so but can we also give a shout out speaking of the cowboys to um dak prescott and yes. also ezekiel elliott not just because zeke is on my fantasy football team <laughs> but because you know they really turned the team around you know yeah. it, it wasn't looking too good but dak prescott you know just being the rookie that he was he was like you know I mean, i'm gonna dak take this quarterback incredible. title and you know run with it literally He's really like been extraordinary and I know it's all kind of like okay well we'll see what happens in the playoffs and that's true because you just never know you know postseason play is so different than regular season play but like what he's managed so far is like It gives me early Russell Wilson vibes. Hey. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, is there bias in that? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, it's the highest compliment I can give. Uh, sure. um, but yeah, no, he's he's something. He just seems like such a sweet guy, too. Mm-hmm. Like, the vi- he, like he's such a, that's another Russell Wilson-y mm-hmm. trait of his. He's so, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to be yeah. a little dude. Family-oriented, like, too. Like, his sweet, whole relationship nice. with his mother, who unfortunately passed like that. It was yeah. just, it, it, the waterworks came on when I oh, was yeah. watching that ESPN special. I was like, oh, was like, oh love it. I mean, I know I'm a Jets fan, but and, like, oh, his that, whole that family warms my heart. is all behind him. Yeah. Just, oh, so See, cute. you can't help but root for people who yeah. are not just great on the field, but are even better human beings off it. Um, and then we want to give a final Drake update. Because the last one of 2016, not final it, ever, right? Just last of this year. Yes. Um, so not only did OVO open their third flagship store, they had two. They had two. One was in LA. One was in Toronto. Uh, Drake's even made make it six. Sense. How can you have that many flagship stores? Isn't there supposed to be one? Is that the definition <laughs> of a flagship? Whatever. Listen, he's keep trying to. My hate I know, right? Um, <laughs> just trying fun. to get that money. So. Um, it is now open in New York, but he also was the first artist to hit a billion streams on Spotify with One Dance. So I guess he's just going to keep dancing into the new year with that one. <laughs> well, and we have new Drake to come in early 2017. More life. The More Life quote unquote playlist project, yep. otherwise known as an OVO compilation. Yes. Um, but yeah, and Adele just did an interview with. Drake producer in 1985, which I did. I definitely did. look forward to. Yes. It's going to be appearing on the It'll pages be at the top of the year of Billboard and on Billboard.com. I feel like I need to do an exclusive drop. Like exclusive, exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> I know we need a flex bomb. <laughs> like yeah, that's but, my imitation of a flex bomb. In case you yes. couldn't tell. For sure. But I mean, all things Drake aside, uh, what was your favorite balling out moment of the year, Natalie? Well, 
I have to say that it's tied, you know, because Seattle, 206, got to stay loyal to my the people. <laughs> Don't even say that, Adele. I'm going to smack the you. The six um, <laughs> um, I mean, I have to say interviewing Kristen Michael mm. and then putting it on Ballin' Out was yes. definitely a highlight, not only because I got to go to VMAC and yes. see all my Seahawks boys and also Sierra I was just like remembering this yesterday and it's just very sad for me everyone that, that you put on a sugar cookie exactly. over the weekend <laughs> I did make Seahawks cookies over the weekend it's fine I don't have a problem yes. um but no I'm very sad Kristen is no longer a Seahawk but he did get a 42 yard touchdown yesterday yeah for the I Packers that for the Packers. It makes me so mad. Um, But, you know, I'm happy for him. And you know what? On Instagram, this is just a very tiny aside. He posted a video of his touchdown. He was like, I've missed this or something. And on the bottom, Cam Chancellor commented. He was like, I see you, bruh. And then BJ Daniels, who also used to be on the Seahawks, did like the fist up emoji. It was like a little romantic moment on the gram. A little Instagram friends. And then my other favorite moment was. Gary Payton. Yes, that was that's definitely in my running for favorite moments of balling out. We were so, I guess, entranced, even though the even though it was a phone conversation. But Gary Payton was such a great spirit through yeah. the phone that we he forgot to ask so him for a drop. Mean and <laughs> upbeat, and yeah, and we forgot, and that would obviously be like the crucial drop for our collection of drops <laughs> that we have. Like Gary Payton, legendary, yes, the right. love. But I know. You know, but he was so just like nice and funny and like just willing to like go with it, you know, not at all skeptical. He was just like, oh, you're doing a pod thingy? Let's do it. (laughs) I was like, Gary, I literally adore you. Let's just call our podcast a pod thing. Yes, forever in honor of Gary. Um, But another great moment was when Le'Veon Bell, who's just been killing it, (laughs) killing it. I mean, this season and last season, but him talking about like that booger freestyle that he did I literally tried not to just like piss my pants right then and there but it was so cute and he was so just like yeah this is my first rap it was like pick a what was it pick a booger something like that something along those lines I mean we'd have to go back to episode 14 but yeah yeah, it's having him on was great but we really just want to thank everyone who really rocked out with us from like Machine Gun Kelly to Andrew Hawkins to Fat Joe Young M.A. Brianna Stewart Carlos Mother (laughs) Santana like this was just an idea that we were bouncing around like hey let's do a Sports Meets Music podcast and we didn't know how it was going to go. Yeah. We were a little, little, a little hesitant, but I'm glad that, you know, it was us that made yeah. this happen. We made it happen. We pushed through. John Cena. Like, John I don't know. Cena? Just the people. How did I not make that my favorite moment? Oh, my God. Also, Brandon Marshall, Miss oh my Jets God. fan. Ah. Okay, I think I demand a recount. So I have to, yes, please. John Cena and Brandon Marshall were my favorites. Oh, my God. I'm the worst person ever. You are not. I just completely forgot that I was a wrestling and Look, Jets fan. Sorry, We're both y'all. just, like, rolling towards vacation. Yes. Hopefully. This um, is, yeah. I mean, but, yeah. No, it's. It's just been, we feel very lucky that we've been able to do this and that we've been able to talk to all these people and that you guys have somehow continued to tune in. Yeah. Like, what a, 
What a all four gift. of you. Shut. <laughs> if you want you, if you want us to believe that there are more than four <laughs> listeners, please rate and review and download and subscribe and tell all your friends to do so. Make as well. that part of your New Year's resolution. Hey, yeah. I'm listening to Ballin' Out religiously. Done. Yeah, just and tweet done. that at us, and we'll be like, "Oh my god, you're our new best friend." And maybe we'll, I don't know what we'll do. We'll shout you out on the podcast. Yes, there like, you go. Shout out trade to in, trade in ratings for, for Twitter shoutouts about new episodes which so is that's very, great which i love they're like one is the new, uh, next episode coming and i love that because that means you're listening so so thank you yes um, um and then for our final episode of the year we have two very special guests i'll mm-hmm. have natalie intro yeah i mean i think we should start with cassidy you have her first because my contribution is quite long <laughs> <laughs> okay all right so let's start first with cassidy hubbard she is an nba tv slash espn staple mm-hmm. and she's also filipina hey hey yeah. um but yeah we got to talk to her about craig sager tim duncan her favorite sports moment of the year and being from chicago and uh, you know some pretty a-list interviews that she got on the yeah. music side of things we're a little jealous yeah <laughs> very jealous actually but, um, but yeah so stay tuned for that and then after that we've got kind of an offbeat choice um don was who's actually a really legendary producer bass player and the president of blue note records mm-hmm. and like a big exec at capital now um he came into the office, which was very generous of him to sit down. And I just did the interview because yes. I'm like a big fan and jazz head, yes. as some of you may know. Um, and we just kind of got into it. And he told me all these stories about talking about basketball with the Rolling Stones, NBD. Yeah. Um, no and also about working with Nile, which was unexpected, of One Direction fame. And just kind of like of his sports fandom in general. He released a uh, song with a member of the Detroit Lions. I'll let you guys <laughs> keep listening yes. to no hear spoiler that alerts. whole um, thing. But that's a bit of a lengthier interview. Yeah, so sure. we'll save it for then. So but, it's yeah. definitely a packed episode. Our, our 2016 farewell. Good riddance 2016. <laughs> I just need to get you over with. Um, but we're very grateful for all the opportunities that we've gotten this year. And we thank you guys for constantly listening to us. Um, this has been a joy to work with Natalie. It's not the end. Uh, we're not gonna, I promise there was no bubbly involved in the recording of this episode. We meant to take shots, but we, we meant yet. to. But um, thank you guys again. And here are our interviews. Somebody should have told me it would be like this, be like this, be like this. Somebody should have told me it would be like this. We have a very special guest today. Um, She is a reporter for NBA games. I'm sure that you've seen her, you know, doing awesome coverage on the sideline and also makes regular appearances um, as part of Mike and Mike covering college football and also, you know, is a great tweeter. (laughs) <laughs> Welcome, Cassidy Hubbard, to Ballin' Out. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Hey, I should bring you guys along and intro and meet everybody. <laughs> well, Adele's please do. a pro. Adele's I need a another pro. revenue stream, so it's fine. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> so to start things off, before we get into the year, because, you know, uh, New Year's is just around yeah, the corner, which sort is of crazy. That reflective best of 2016 time. <laughs> right. Could you yeah. um, kind of go through uh, your career journey? Because you started off as a weekend traffic reporter, correct? I did. I, did. I had, like, you know, it was a grind as as any 
any person getting into adult life, <laughs> you know, you, you just try to make your way. And in, in particularly in media oh, yeah. at the time that I, I graduated, um, from Northwestern, it was changing so rapidly with uh, digital media growing. And so I worked a bunch of jobs, which included being a traffic reporter, um, in addition to working in a production company as a, um, a production assistant, working on um, actually original programming for mobile phones. So um, yeah, early on, I just was doing a lot of different jobs, um, freelancing, and it also included a, a a nice traffic job, which <laughs> my parents to this day find funny because I, I don't know where I'm going ever. <laughs> I'm, that makes two I'm, of us. <laughs> so I was probably the worst traffic reporter ever, but hey, uh, I'm, I graduated from that, I guess. Right. And it got you to where you are today. So everything happens for a reason. And you're also a Chicago native. So talk a little bit about your love for the Bulls and also Michael Jordan. Oh yeah. Well, the the Bulls. I mean, I grew up in the Jordan era, so it was pretty much in my blood that I was going to be a Bulls fan. Um, and I grew up playing basketball as well. And I it, it just it, it defined, I think, me as a sports fan. Like it just felt natural that you know right. me and my family were screaming like crazy people during <laughs> you know the both three peats. So. Um, uh, yeah, like when I think back in my childhood, like Jordan, Pippen, Ron Harper, Luke Longley, all those, all those dudes were, were, I grew up with them. That's basically who um, got me into being a fan of sports and then it carried on throughout the rest of my life. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. it's kind of interesting, like people don't expect women to have like long histories of sports fandom, you know, like to have those kind of childhood connections to it I don't know like for me mm -hmm. I'm from Seattle and like I grew up with the Mariners in their golden era you know like Ken Griffey and Alex Rodriguez and then Ichiro right. and Edgar Martinez and it's just like you know you still people don't take you seriously but it's like no I've been in this you know <laughs> like yeah 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 no it, look there is that kind of stereotype but I, I you know in being in the sports media business it's it's kind of crazy because if you think about what's happening now in just the coverage of the NBA mm -hmm. women are really at the forefront um of of our national coverage specifically at ESPN we have Rachel Nichols who hosts our daily NBA show the jump right. Michelle Beadle Sage Steele the host of Countdown Doris Burke is just basically like <laughs> basketball god and yes. she, you know she's one of the most she's like the face of of the nba almost um from from a broadcaster standpoint and then with tnt kristen ledlow is a huge star for them yeah so it you know women like specifically in the nba like women are pretty much the face of um not just being fans but also the professional um, side of covering the league definitely so it's no, pretty it's... cool to see it's amazing. And I think, you know, the NBA has always been a little bit more sort of forward thinking than a lot of the other professional sports leagues, too. So it makes sense yeah. in that regard. Um, but Adele's noted here that <laughs> one of your first inspirations was actually Pam Oliver. Yes. So after, you know, so basically the Bulls and my love for them kind of got me, that sucked me in. And then I'm a big a Bears fan as well. I'm a sports fan all around, obviously, but um, because I'm a Chicagoan, I watch the Bears, you know, every Sunday and um, 
we'd come home from breakfast to like after church and I would sit down and watch the pregame show on Fox and um, leading into the Bears game. And I just, I noticed Pam Oliver and I noticed that, you know, she was interviewing players and doing these really cool features. And that's just when it kind of hit me like, wow, like this, I I, want to do that. I want to be able to, you know, showcase um, my favorite athletes and tell their stories. And, uh, I, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of, of uh, all of these people. Like, it would be great to be able to talk to them and, and, you know, tell their story. And so that was like around middle school, actually. Oh, wow. um, so I kind of knew what I wanted to do from, from that point on. And it, I, like, I really didn't have anything that wavered from me off of that goal. And fortunately, you know, a lot of people don't really have – an idea of what they want to do with their lives. And I was able to figure it out early on. Mm -hmm. Not to dwell on it too much, but, um, you know, you've had a great career, but I also want to shout you out because you're also Filipino like me. And there's not too many of us out here. (laughs) Are you full? Yes, I am full Filipino. Yeah. So it's great to to see, you know, Filipinos just representing because you don't see too many of us on both either the sports or the music side of things. So was there any pushback from your parents? Huge basketball fans. Oh, yeah, that's true. Huge basketball fans. Was there any pushback from them? Like, you know, for me, like my parents, they never really told me, you know, you had to do something specifically. But there was always that that conversation where it was like, you have to go into law or you have to go to medical school. Was there was there any of that for you? No, you know what? My mom is who's Filipino and she uh, she came to the States when she was 20, all by herself. Um, and, um, you know, like she actually got, went to school to become a director herself. Um, but she, she, she didn't end up following that career, but that's where she met my dad who wanted to be, be a cameraman for the Cubs. And (laughs) I actually didn't figure that out until like later after I decided I wanted to be in sports broadcasting. And I'm just like, wow, it just, it turns out that I was able to like, make good on their dreams um, because, you know, they couldn't follow through on theirs because they got married, had my, my older brother and had to provide and they just couldn't continue um, figuring out how to be a director and be a cameraman. So my parent, my mom was actually 100%. It's not like she, from the get go was supportive of this dream of mine. And, and I, I still to this day don't know how she made it possible. Her and my dad, because um, I went to the University of Illinois for a year, um, which we got a lot of help for me mm-hmm. going to the University of Illinois financially. Um, but I knew I wanted to go to Northwestern, go to the Medill School of Journalism. And so mm-hmm. I transferred. And I, I mean, my parents put three kids through college. And really, we came from very humble means. And I still, to this day, do not know how she figured out me going to Northwestern, but she knew that it was important for me to go there in order to achieve my dreams. And I, I can't thank her and my dad enough for just, I don't know, figuring it out. I mean, I, I, I lived at home, but like, I still, I would not be where I am today without that Northwestern degree. I know for sure. Sure. Well, shout out to mom and dad. <laughs> Hopefully yeah, they'll exactly. listen to this as well. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into some of um, the weekend's biggest moments. Uh, first and foremost, yeah. we unfortunately lost Craig Sager. So what were some of your yeah. personal memories, um, you know, of, of him? 
But speaking of Northwestern, he was a proud Northwestern alum. He was actually mm-hmm. Willie the Wildcat um, <laughs> uh, during his time. And, you know, know what? I, I actually never got a chance to to meet Craig Sager, but I obviously was in the um, you know knew a lot of people who loved him dearly. And it's just the thing about Craig is that he, you know, he was so authentically himself and unapologetically himself, and you saw it. I mean, he he. You saw him before he even talked because of <laughs> right. his, his right. outfits. But, I mean, even though they were loud outfits, like, he, he embodied just a, a comfort. Um, and you could see it. He, like, disarmed people in in his interviews while also asking all the tough questions. Right. So he, 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 I mean, there's a reason why he's an icon, not just in the NBA world, but across sports. I mean, you saw yesterday people wearing Craig Sager shirts across the NFL. I mean, he was he was in he was covering the league and covering sports for for over two decades. So, you know, anyone who really has an attachment to sports is familiar with Craig Sager and just it's like he, he was like a warm cup of hot chocolate. Like you know, every time you saw him every time you saw him you were so just, he he made you happy, and you knew you were going to get the best coverage possible. Mm, and yeah. you know, I, I think it was really awesome that you know my colleague Mark Jackson always says, "Celebrate me while I'm here. Don't yeah. celebrate me after I'm gone. Celebrate me while I'm here." And this last year, we really saw the NBA open up their arms and just give Craig a big hug. I mean, mm-hmm. from you know, being able to do its first finals with ESPN, which is still crazy. LeBron said it like, I don't know how the hell you haven't done an NBA right. finals and all your your um, time covering the league. But the fact that he was able to do that, get all the standing ovations, see all the tributes, the, the, you know, Craig Sager shirts, the, just getting all these awards at the ESPYs and Broadcasting mm-hmm. Hall of Fame, like, the, it, um, uh, you know, it is it, it is truly, truly tragic that cancer continues to take such bright stars from us. But I, I, I think at least he felt that appreciation um, for everything he's done um, in, in his profession and just also um, to the people who are closest to him as well. Because mm-hmm. he was, from what I know, he was an even better man than he was a broadcaster. Right. Yeah, forever Sager Strong. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just like, it's so inspiring just, you know, even for us reporters who are in the music world, like totally separate, but just to see someone like that who's so both beloved and respected, I think sometimes like those things, like people are like, oh, I love that person, but like they don't necessarily yeah. think they're like excellent professionally, you know, but to see someone who really embodies both of those things at such a high level, it's like, wow, this makes me want to be better at what I do, you know? Yeah. And you know what? It would... It- Unfortunately, it reminds me of one of my mentors and Stu Scott. And he, you know, he was the exact same way. Um, he was beloved by everyone and a true icon as well. Yeah. Um, and really just, man, cancer <sighs> just sucks. Yeah. It just does. Yeah, middle fingers to cancer. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) On a slightly brighter and more celebratory note, we also noticed Mm -hmm. that you were tweeting about the Tim Duncan jersey retirement ceremony that happened yesterday. Uh I mean, I'm a like adopted Spurs fan because obviously the Sonics (laughs) don't exist anymore. Um, And so I don't know. Watching those speeches, it's just like it was amazing. What was your reaction to seeing all that? Yeah, I thought it was. 
I thought it was great. I mean, and as uh, Manu pointed out, he was like, you didn't let us celebrate you all last year. Like right. Kobe got a farewell tour. But th- you know what? This was this was just as good because it was just a big love fest for, for <laughs> Tim Duncan. And, uh, you know, you could see Tim was so uncomfortable with all the <laughs> like he could Like he couldn't. Especially in his know, wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. I, that was, a, it was a, such a great Timmy line. Like, hey. I, you know, I'm sure a lot of people jeans. lost money. And, yeah, I'm not wearing <laughs> jeans. I talk longer than, you know, three minutes. But he, um, no, he, he deserves to, to, to be honored. Um, but it just felt, it felt great. And just the, the love between Pop and Timmy is just like, Ah! <laughs> yes. You, just, you know, I, I, that's exactly what I was doing at my couch. It's just like, oh my god, they're so cute. And we're talking about two grown, yeah, like men. And Pop, one of the most intimidating dudes yeah. in the NBA. Believe me, I know. Right? <laughs> I to interview him, um, but it's just like that—that that respect and just that journey that they took together that that has made them both just legends in the game. Um, yeah. I mean, Tim Duncan's the best power forward to ever play, in my opinion. And, um, and like, testament to, uh, to Pop, and, and just about, like, the, the, the types of people they have on Spurs yeah, yeah. And, and the character of the players on Spurs and they continue day in and day out are just good. They're good, yeah. <laughs> like, like, you just, there's no, like, they're never not going to be good as long as Pop's leading the way and, you know, Tim, I, I have a feeling Tim's around more than we know. Um, right. And that's awesome for them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, looking back on 2016 as a whole, what was your favorite sports moment? Oh, well, I'm a Cubs fan, so had to be the Cubs <laughs> winning the world. Hands down. That was an easy one. <laughs> easy one for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I would think, you know, actually, like, I was just asked what's my favorite sports moment of all time. And for a long time, it was, you know, uh, the Bulls' first championship after um, uh, Michael returned from his uh, hiatus uh, right. and won um, the first of the final three uh, on Father's Day after his dad died. Um, and, you know, that image of him, like, crying on the locker room floor. So that, for the longest time, was my favorite um, sports moment of all time. But it, the, Cubs, the Cubs winning the World Series is, I mean, coming back from 3-1 deficit, I mean, yeah. this is that. Yeah. It was pretty epic. Um, it yeah, like I didn't think we were going to see the day, and I did. And <laughs> it was, That's awesome. Yeah, it was crazy. And it was a great World Series. It was a great World Series. And Adele that, and I were watching. That was definitely the best moment for me, for sure. <laughs> Adele and I were watching the CMAs, so we missed the <laughs> oh. moments of truth. <laughs> we had to cover it, it for work, long. but we were flipping was, the channel, so it was yeah. fine. <laughs> I mean, it went until like one thirty in the morning, yep. so because of the rain delay and all that, so I, hey, yeah. I get it. That was crazy. Yeah, for sure. And we hear that you are a hip hop and R and B fan, so it would be remiss yeah. for you know, as Billboardians, to not ask you <laughs> yeah, let's who get is it. on let's your playlist right now. <laughs> what, what am I listening to right now? Yes. Yeah. Um. Well, I right now I'm trying to get into the, to uh, the J Cole album. Um, and I, I really like it. I just have to spend a little more time with it. Um, Adele is like and, the biggest uh, J. Cole fan in the world. So I know. I was trying not to scream. Right <laughs> Wait, what? Adele what is say? like the biggest J. Cole fan. So you're making her <laughs> yeah, really yeah, happy yeah. right now. No, no. I love it. I just, 
you know, like to me, I mean, like you can't just listen to it once through. And that's what I've done. I just listen to it once through. I want to, I want to take, take my time with it. So, Definitely. um, that's what I'm doing right now. And then, um, you know, I'm, I'm a kind of a kid cutty, like uh, loyalist. Um, <laughs> so I've listened, I've listened to him a bit, uh, right now. And you know, this year, I, like I, thinking back at like all the albums, obviously like views, um, I listened to a little bit over again. Anty was definitely fire. Yeah, um, that's great. Coloring book. Like, I'm a, because I'm a Chicagoan, like, I was just, I seem to be uh, loyal to Chicago rappers. So, uh, you know, I love Chance the Rapper. Yeah. Um, Kanye probably defines a lot of my early, early life, <laughs> <laughs> if I were to say. Yeah. So, but, you know, it, um, Life of Pablo was good. It wasn't my favorite album of the year, but it was definitely, definitely great. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of, there's a lot I've been listening to. Uh, so it seems year. like you're pretty it's, on top was, of it. I mean, if you're already talking about J Cole and Kid Cudi, you keep up with stuff pretty mm. closely. Then it sounds like. Yeah, I'm in my car a lot. <laughs> I drive a lot, so I have a lot of time to really get in, into into music. Um, but I, you know, I do listen to a lot. It's really hip hop and R and B. Um, you know, with some pop here and there. I mean. I couldn't ignore the Justin Bieber album everywhere. <laughs> oh, like, trust us, we couldn't so. <laughs> have, during the past year, have you had any um, interactions with artists that come to mind? Yeah. Um, actually, I interviewed, um, when I because I sometimes host, like, uh, I host a lot of different shows on our network, um, but I, um, when I was hosting His and Hers, um, I interviewed Usher. Yes, because he was promoting his book, Hands of Stone. Um, and, uh, you know, that was pretty awesome because I got to tell you, I think he was my first childhood, like, celebrity crush. I mean, you know, like, it, after, after, like, Make Me Wanna, like, I was yep. all about, yeah, like, that song had me feeling all types of puppy love. So, <laughs> that was cool. Um, I've also interviewed, I also interviewed Lil Wayne this nice. year too on oh. when I hosted his and hers. So That's he was wild. also awesome. I mean, the Carter three got me through some, some early moments <laughs> in my life. I think I <laughs> went on several runs during that album. Um, yeah, like, and I'm trying to think who are other artists. So those are, those are the two that jump out right now. Gotcha. I mean, those um, are big names. Those are like, you know. mm-hmm. And I'm sure you notice that artists are more willing to talk when it's, you know, when the conversation is about sports. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and you know what? I mean, Lil Wayne's a huge sports fan, yeah. like huge. Um, and uh, he, I mean, he also touched on the drama between him and Birdman a little bit, but he um, he comes on, uh, he comes around ESPN a lot. Yeah. So um, he was great. He just blinded me with his grill, but he, <laughs> <laughs> he, he was awesome. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Like, I, like, how do you even operate with all that right. ice in your mouth but uh, yeah. it was uh, that was pretty cool he's he was really really nice guy and definitely an informed sports fan oh i did interview drake at the all-star weekend oh, last what? year well, casual, well, casual 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 name drop that like literally everyone <laughs> in the whole music industry wants yeah. to get <laughs> sorry my bad my bad i did interview drake i forgot 
um, which is crazy. That's really dumb of me. Um, so he was the uh, he was um, the coach of the Canadian team right. um, at the celebrity game, and I I do the celebrity game every year um, during All Star Week, and he he's he's such a great just he's a great ambassador for the NBA yeah. actually. Um, you know, he lo- I know he's a team ambassador to the Raptors, but he, like, talk about true sports fan. Like, he, I mean, you see him everywhere, and you see him yeah. wear everyone's jersey. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> yeah. like, he is a true sports fan, and I just find him to be, like, such a cool enigma because he's, like, I don't know how he's been able to master where, like, people all clown him for just being, I don't know, like, him. And, but yeah. yet they listen to everything he puts out, yeah. and he's the hottest dude in the game. Like, so, I, I don't know. He's just kind of, like, I just find him so crazy talented. I mean, when he hosted the ESPYs, you just got a sense of, like, just what a performer he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I interviewed him, he was awesome. Like, he just, uh, he, was, he couldn't have been nicer. Um, he was, like, giving me, you know, Toronto restaurant recommendations. <laughs> so it's like, so he just he, he's a real nice guy given how big of a star he is. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, well, you definitely crazy. had a stacked year. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, yes, that's like, like the best. Adele and I are just going to sit here obviously <laughs> of all your interviews. <laughs> but we just want to thank you, know, you so much for, you know, hopping on uh balling out. Yes. Yeah, oh my gosh, this was awesome. Thank you guys and uh hope you guys have a happy holidays and enjoy the games. Make sure we gotta, we got a Five games on Christmas Day, so settle in. I'll definitely be watching Knicks and Celtics, <laughs> which I know yeah, you're going to be yeah. a part of as well. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'll be on the sidelines for that game. My my first game uh, at the Garden, actually. Oh, so wow. That's going to be pretty cool. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm that's a Knicks exciting. fan, so hopefully they give me a win for my for my Christmas miracle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. As long as the drama, you know, with with Phil and Mello. Yes. Well, let's, just, let, let's just root for that. First. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Team All White right, guys, Peace. Thank but so thank much. you so much, Cassidy. <laughs> Now we've got our interview with Blue Note president and legendary producer Don Was. All right, so today we are lucky enough to have legendary producer, oh, musician, <laughs> current Blue Note president, Don Was, here at the Billboard offices, joining us for this episode of Ballin' Out. Thank you so much for coming, oh, Don. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. It's a, you do a fabulous podcast. <laughs> I, I enjoy listening. Did you actually listen? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if wow. If you had come here, if I wouldn't have listened. <laughs> It's really good. It's really, yeah. it's really entertaining, and it's a very uh, novel concept. That I, I can't believe there's not more of that. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, thank you very so much for checking it out. Yeah. yeah, Don is on the podcast because we were actually on the phone about Nora Jones, right. and it just kind of came up, 
you know, and then we started talking and Don started telling me this story about <laughs> sitting with the Rolling Stones. Oh, yeah, yes, that's right. That's right. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And just talking about Phil Jackson's book, which, you know, very casual. <laughs> Do you want me to tell you? Yes, tell, tell me, tell me. Right. <laughs> so it was, it was winter of 2004, <laughs> a chilly night. <laughs> and we were holed up in... Uh, in the middle of France at Mick Jagger's country chateau, <laughs> uh, recording an album that came out called a, a Bigger Bang. And I was, I was trying to follow the D Detroit Pistons in the playoffs. Okay? <laughs> and uh, um, I was reading Phil Jackson's book, Sacred Hoops, at the same time. And somewhere in there, I started realizing that a five-man basketball team is identical to a five-man rock and roll band. So we'd get up and we'd all have breakfast at four in the afternoon together. <laughs> That's the rock and roll lifestyle, I mean. It was good, too. Good, good breakfast. He had a really good chef there. And it was pretty crazy. We were, it, was, it wasn't like a big party. It was just the Rolling Stones and myself and Chris Sharma, the engineer, and Pierre, the guitar tech, and... A five-star chef. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty optimal. <laughs> we, 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 had, we had a great time. Uh, but I'd start telling them about this book and pointing out the similarities. And mainly, uh, you know, in addition to the, you know, you could, uh, in the, you know, the way you could view, like, the the bass player and the drummer as the guards <laughs> and the, the two guitar players you know, as the forwards and the lead singer as the center. And, and it really had to do a lot with passing and that season the Pistons it was a great team it was uh, you know Rashid Wallace and Ben Wallace and uh, Chauncey Billups Richard Hamilton uh, Tayshaun Prince I think that those are like the starting mm -hmm. guys and none of them were like like a Kobe kind right, of figure right? right and they were they passed and they were the best example of team basketball which is what Phil was writing about in the book right and when you play team basketball ball, you win. And, you know, I'd seen Kobe score 78 points and the Lakers okay. lose, you know. So uh, I just kept using that example with them. And they fucking hated it. <laughs> I mean, they knew it. They didn't need me to tell them that. Right. But, but, you know, it's, it's really, it's so similar. Because if you're in a band, you have to be aware of what the other guys Definitely. are doing all the time. You have to listen and pay attention. And now, I've played bass with the Stones on a number of occasions, right? And um, when you actually get in the middle of that, it's like it's like they're, they're just throwing you like this, <laughs> these passes. It's the like baseball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, they're just setting you up beautifully. They, it's, it's a really jocular experience. They're relaxed. And it's fun, and they're, they're just throwing these lines at everybody that you can answer. Yeah. And so it's really easy to play with the Rolling Stones, <laughs> and it's quite, it's quite friendly, and and they're really attentive and responsive. They respond really quickly. Hmm. It's an, it's a, it's an internal 
game, just like basketball. You don't you don't see the process of what's going on, and if you no, really no, don't no. know how to yeah. watch the plays unfold, you can just follow the ball and watch right. basketball. And and the same is true in music. It's just, you got to have good songs, and you can just just right. listen to the songs and enjoy it. But if you can become aware of the inner game that's going on, it's really it's really deep. Yeah. So I, I've thought about that a lot in in making records. Uh, and uh, I thought Phil Jackson would be a, a great record producer. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no, I think that's, I don't know. It's really, it's really fascinating just to think about how it's like the aspect of live performance too, like in the studio, but also, you know, the, yeah. the hardwoods as stage, you know? Yes. Well, the, uh, I mean, for the Stones, they, they very much are, it, 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 the uh, studio situation reflects what they do on stage. Right. They set up exactly the same as they have on stage for 50-some years, right? Except Mick faces the drums and <laughs> to turn his back to um, And, like, for example, this la- this new record that we mm-hmm. put out, Blue and Lonesome, which yeah. came out Yeah, just a couple, yeah. a week ago, yeah. not even. Uh, that's completely live. The, hmm. the drum sound comes primarily from Mick's vocal mic, so wow! Even if he had wanted to re-sing something, he couldn't, he couldn't. Do it because <laughs> if you punched in, the drums would disappear. Uh, so it, it's exactly as it happened, and I think it really shows them at their best. That's awesome. Uh, I haven't listened yet, but I should. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's fun. No, I mean, I love that. You know, I love, and I think actually with jazz, like to me, almost more than any other genre, like live albums really capture what it is. I, you know? I agree. Yeah. It's, that's where people are a little looser and a little freer. And like you hear the mistakes, but that's what makes it better, you know, because like... Yeah, mistakes are kind of relative, yeah. Exactly. No, but I mean, it's just like there's that, it almost makes it more dynamic, you know, because it hasn't been yeah. gone over a million times. But just like on the sports stuff, so... Have you, you know, you grew up in Detroit, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you been following sports just your whole life, or was it something you came yeah, to later? Or? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a sports town. Man. Yeah. yeah. And uh, sports and music, that's kind of, that's your way out if you want to get out. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, um, and it's the great escape, too, you know. So, it's, it's, yeah, no, I, I still follow the Detroit teams. Yeah, all uh, of them or just basketball? No, I, I dig all of them, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm, uh, Lions are looking pretty good. Yeah, they so, are. They are. The uh, game against the Saints on Sunday. <laughs> and, and I'm expecting the, the Pistons with Jackson back. I, I expect them to do better than I think they're going to surprise everybody. <laughs> and I hope the Tigers don't trade Cabrera. <laughs> but, I, you know, I love to go. I always go to a game when I'm in town. Some yeah? Game, yeah. And to be honest with you, they, uh, Tom Gore is, uh, is I, I know him, we, we, our kids went to school together, he's, he's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wish he wouldn't have gotten rid of the funk band that played at the Pistons game, because oh. my goal was to retire and inherit <laughs> that job. <laughs> I, was, I didn't even yeah. know that was a thing, <laughs> that's to, awesome. Yeah, no, there's a band called the Sun Messengers, they're, they're, huh. they're buddies of mine, and they used to... You know, as opposed to like an organist, yeah, there's, yeah, there's an R&B group that played. That's amazing. Games and sat in the stands, and it was you know the greatest gig on earth. Yeah. So, uh, 
No, that's like that's fascinating. I mean, I've done some interviews with like team DJs and stuff, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is just it's an interesting thing because you know. Again, it's like they're putting on a show too. <laughs> Wait, who's, well, I heard one of your shows where about uh, there's a DJ fighting with Drake. That's yeah. <laughs> what was that? that was the the calves, of course, because yeah. you know they're big yeah. and fancy now. Yeah. And the guy who DJs their games, I don't remember his name now, but he was like, oh, what was it? I think it was oh, it was around the World Series or the baseball playoffs mm-hmm. like because Drake suddenly of course became a Blue Jays fan <laughs> um, <laughs> and was going to all the games and stuff and right. so he was just posting these memes on Instagram mm-hmm. of Drake like rooting for the other team I think I don't even know it was just like I couldn't tell if it was like jocular like they're actually friends and they yeah. were just like right. messing around but Drake responds you know that's just yeah. how he rolls yeah. he it doesn't matter who you are Drake if you take shots at Drake he'll fire back <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was a trip. We tried to get him on the podcast, but he hasn't responded to my emails. So not Drake, the yeah, DJ. The, the DJ. Oh, Drake's probably not going to come on the podcast. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, one in 1980, I was responsible for a serious decline in the Detroit Lions' fortunes. Why? <laughs> <laughs> what What did you do? <laughs> they won four games in a row. And there's a, a player named Jimmy Spider-Man Allen okay. who started, in the, after each victory, started singing, Another One Bites the Dust. <laughs> so, so we had this idea, me and a couple of buddies, that we should record him. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just, you know, I was broke. So I, I was just thinking about selling 45s out, right. of, the, out of the back of a car uh-huh. at, uh, at the Pontiac at the Silverdome. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so he he did it. He came down and we recorded <laughs> Jimmy Spider Man Allen singing "Another One Bites the Dust," and <laughs> it, was, it was we recorded it one night, like a, on a Monday night or something, after a winning football game. And I ran out the next morning and had just acetates made you know, right. of, of like you know vinyl. Well, yeah, it's, not, yeah. it's, it's acetate, but it, it's like the demo record that they have to right. lathe out each copy individually, and I. And I had 10 of them made, and I took them to all the big radio stations in Detroit. <laughs> not even be, I'm not a promo guy. I didn't know anybody. I, I just went to the door and said, I have the, the new version of Jimmy, of another one, Bites the Dust, featuring uh, Spider-Man Allen. And by the time I got back in the car, it was on the air. Oh, all my the time. God. I've never had an experience like that subsequently. That's crazy. It was the easiest record to work ever. <laughs> and then we, we did a big in-store appearance on a Friday, at, and, like, a thousand people showed up at Harmony House Records, and did he come? Yeah, he he, prefer, he lip synced the song on oh the counter, you know, on the <laughs> and he was on like a couple of morning shows. And, and then they, they, they proceeded to lose like the next ten games, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and everyone blamed the record. <laughs> but I made two hundred bucks selling. <laughs> there you go. Forty-five. The record business, right? <laughs> and they say <laughs> it's available on YouTube. You can you can actually really? it's up there somewhere if you if you were to uh, search for like Detroit Lions. Mm, another one bites another the one, dust. Yeah, it would show up. Yeah. That's a crazy story. <laughs> <Real> crazy. <laughs> Well, you know, we just had the Go Cubs Go thing. Yes. It charted for the first time ever, yeah. like this wow. World Series, cause, wow. because of streaming. <laughs> so, oh, I don't know. Yeah. 2016 yeah. is weird because, you know, everybody's like watching streams. the YouTube video. and 1,500 streams 
equals one album, right? If I, you're, something. If you're, you're, yeah, you're I figuring SEAs, 10 individual tracks downloaded at the iTunes store is yeah. one track equivalent album, TEA. Yeah. And 1,500 streams generates the same amount of income as buying one album. Yeah. That's, that's Drake's world. <laughs> it's Drake's world. We're just living in it, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. But, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's wild. That's amazing. Any other secret sports recordings you've made in your past? Oh, man. Let me see. Well, no, I, I learned a lesson with that. Just, just, <laughs> Not, you can't do it for your own team. You need to do it for other people's that's teams. That's it. Yeah, it's a curse. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I... I'm a big Seahawks fan, and ah. so like I'm from Seattle. Mm-hmm. That's just the, they're my guys. Um, but I watched this interview with Sir Mix a lot, who obviously Seattle's only rapper, unless yeah. you count the guy we won't talk about. <laughs> but he did this interview, and he loves the Seahawks. He's like diehard Seahawks fan. Yeah. He won't go to the games because he's convinced that he jinxes it when he's there. Oh. Like his whole life, he's never gone. Like yeah. he, I think he went once and they lost, and then, and then he like him. never went again. I, I get that. If you if you really care about your team, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, it's just it's intense. Uh, but yeah, no, it's I don't know. Are there any athletes who you wish would make an album on your label? <laughs> well, Denny McLean used to play the organ. I don't know if you, <laughs> I don't know if you remember Denny McLean, but in nineteen sixty eight when the Tigers won the World Series, he he was the guy. You know, oh wow. He, uh, he was the you know, Cy Young Award winner that year and badass pitcher. And in the off season he play organ at a lounge in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, I'd make a Danny McLean record in a minute. <laughs> no, it, it probably shouldn't mix. I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think that there's a commonality in the mindset of musicians and athletes, the focus yeah. and, and the reward. It's kind of like meditation, you know. Uh, Beck, it's a lot like meditation. Uh, you're playing, playing sports. Yeah. You, you just by by staying so focused on something and staying in the present moment, yeah. you you gain some definitely, deep, uh, relaxation. Definitely. In fact, one time, I, I are you a Tibetan Buddhist? Am I? No. <laughs> <laughs> I got Not a, yet. Anyway, I got a Dalai Lama story for you, <laughs> but, but it, it, it kind of humanizes him a little bit. I, I don't normally tell the story. I'm going to tell you the story. You can decide. Please, whether to use please. It or not. I played a gig <laughs> in the football stadium at the University of Syracuse, maybe, or whatever, okay. yeah, whatever yeah. college is in Syracuse. Yeah. And they were having a big, like, peace expo. Huh. And so they invited the Dalai Lama to come, and he did, like, four speaking engagements there over a couple of days. And then there was this big concert, and they put together. It's a really weird show. And I, I was the music director, but I did it. I thought, yeah, meet the Dalai Lama. Of course, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in. When was this? Well, it wasn't long ago. Maybe, okay. maybe it was like four years ago, two okay. years ago, something. So we, we put a really cool little house band together, and we backed up. I mean, the show had like, it was weird. It was like Dave Matthews <laughs> and David Crosby, but also Engelbert Humperdinck and... Uh, <laughs> 
uh, Natalie Imbruglio, I mean, Whoa. It was, <laughs> some Israeli girl, and it was just a real mishmash, which actually made it a fun gig because yeah. you had to jump styles on every song. Cindy Lauper, uh, Swizz Beats was. <laughs> it was really. It made it's definitely no sense an eclectic as a show, mix. Right? <laughs> but the uh, but the part of your compensation package was this Meeting. audience with the Dalai Lama. So he walks in, and he says, "All right, anyone." Uh, Anyone got any questions for me? So Andy Grammer, who was on the show, Andy Grammer says, what's the connection between music and the soul? Might have been setting him up. I don't know. <laughs> so the Dalai Lama proceeds to trash music. He said, um, music's nothing. He said, it's just like this, this superficial thing. And you got, and that, you know, it, it's, that's sort of in the teachings that you got a good deep right, right. But it was a weird thing to say to a group of musicians who traveled all over the world right. you know, to be play for the Dalai Lama huh? and and he was relentless with it and I, I didn't it, it was so weird I, I didn't even say anything uh, Cindy Lauper interrupted him <laughs> she, she interrupted the Dalai Lama and said but you chant <laughs> and he said yeah but that's just superficial stuff he said you got to get to the deeper things he said music is good for putting people in a stadium like this so that you can talk to them about real things <laughs> And I, I was just, I thought, I'm, I'm just tired and I'm not hearing him right. Okay. <laughs> but the next day, uh, Phil Ramone, may he rest in peace, wonderful guy. Phil Ramone was uh, the producer of the show overall, and I was the music director, and I was playing bass. So I called Phil. I said, did I hear this right? Or He said, oh, yeah, you heard it right. I said, well, what was that about? <laughs> and he said, oh, music's the competition. I thought about it, and I th it was pretty astute observation it's music will get you to the same place as will playing sports hmm. they all get you to this the same place right. of being present and uh and and not dealing with regret <laughs> and fear yeah yeah yeah, that's yeah. the that's the thing. That's what you're looking for. <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people, maybe. I don't know. I think it's a really good thing to look for. Yeah. Uh, avoidance of fear and regret. Definitely. It can't be done, you know. <laughs> trying, always trying. It's, it's, it's a daily battle. Yeah. You know, think about athletes, but they have to practice every day. Musicians oh, have 100%. to practice Oh, 100%. I mean, the repetition, I think, like the the act of practice. I think yeah. that really also sets musicians yeah. and athletes apart. I mean, yeah. cause we had Le'Veon Bell on mm -hmm. last week or the last episode. And like he, you know, he's like a star in the NFL. He's like one of the best running backs in the league. Yeah. And, but he's so just like focused and like, he was like, no, I make music because like, like it's his hobby, but he has the same intensity about it yeah. that he has about practicing football yeah. you know yeah. and it's like he was like I don't like going to the studio because when other people talk to me it makes me forget what I want to say yeah. so he just sits in his house and records things by himself I'm like you know his music is music made by a running back but Still, like yeah. just the the very act of doing that the fact that he's so serious about it that he's mm -hmm. just sitting in front of his laptop like rapping by himself in his house like it's, it's the purest form of it, of it really you know people who stay home and play to get to that place, yeah, um, that's really what it's about. Once you start introducing commerce into it, uh, that's a, that's another road. 
and good things happen to you maybe as a result, but it it doesn't, I don't think it helps your music any. You know, yeah. it, it certainly doesn't help the purity of the expression. You, you gotta do it to do it. And yeah. so I, I got tremendous respect for someone who <laughs> is not driven to yeah. get up in front of 50,000 people a night and play the music, you know, it's uh Yeah, no, it's fascinating just like that. That mindset. Dame Willard, too. Yeah. You know, he's oh, just you, like, he's you, you recording stuff just like literally that's his hobby and he's just doing it. I think but it's, it's really like, cool. you just like lock into that mode of living where you're like, I'm going to work really hard at everything I do. And that's like how they translate it. Well, you've got to. And it's, you know, we'll, we'll put the Dalai Lama back in there. Again, you know, where it's the same thing to, to stay, uh, to stay balanced. You, you know, they, you got to meditate all the time. You got to live a certain way. You know, yeah. monks, athletes, musicians, Thelonious monk. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the highest monk of them the all. Monk of them all. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. <laughs> yes. No. Definitely. I mean, we sort of were talking a little bit before we started um, recording just about the Grammy nominations just came out. Yeah. This morning, and you're a voter. You said I'm a voter, and I, when, when I'm around, it can be on. The, I've, I've been on the jazz screening committee a couple of years. Oh yeah. Uh, well, I, I'll say this: I, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today if it weren't for the Grammys. Mm-hmm. I've struggled for a long time. I did not have early success, and uh, then one year. Like 1989 or something like that. We run, I produced this Bonnie Raitt album, Nick of Time. Right. And, and also, uh, what else was in it? Uh, Love Shack by the B-52s that was <laughs> up that year. And, the, and we won all these Grammys. And I went from uh, you know, being unemployable to uh, in demand. And I had like a really, the whole year got booked up within like a week of the Grammys. And uh, in a sense, I'm still, you know, I'm still riding the wave I caught in 1989. So I'm really grateful to them, and uh, and uh, and haven't been close to it. I uh, I I realize what a complex and difficult <laughs> behemoth. Yeah. The, uh, you know, getting those awards together every year is, and how the disparity between. Well, there's just this chasm of appreciating music because it speaks to you and then giving out an uh, award. awards with justice. You know? right, right. So I, I appreciate the dilemma. Yes. And let's just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just as someone who has seen it for such an extended period of time, do you see that kind of like that same disparity enduring? Has it gotten worse? Has it gotten better? I mean, like. Seen Bonnie Raitt get recognized, obviously Bonnie that, Raitt's incredible. You that know. was a big deal, you know. And, and, she, and I will tell you that when the road to making that album, Nick of Time, was very rocky in terms of <laughs> she, you could not have been any less fashionable than right. Bonnie Raitt was in 1989. You know, it, it was the it was the era of flock of seagulls and human right, league. And right. No judgment, but it's just really <laughs> it's really different from Bonnie Raitt. Uh, so for her to be recognized like that, and uh, and she's such a great artist too. 
Yeah. Mean, she's so, she's, she's, there's just no one better, really. No. I mean, the, I, I know other people who are great, but I, could, I don't know, I, there's no one I could say is better than Bonnie. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it, that was a wonderful moment of, uh, of musical justice, I think. <laughs> <laughs> did it feel like an anomaly, or did it feel like, no, this is how the Grammy Awards normally go? I don't know. I'd you never been know? there before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I feel I went to a Grammy Awards, and, and <laughs> it was it was it was absolutely surreal to get up there and win that thing, man. It was first of all when they announce your name, whether you win or lose, you time slows down, <laughs> and 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 there's like an it's like everything's in reverb. It's it's a common phenomenon. I've talked to other people about this. Yeah. It's, it's a really weird moment to be mm -hmm. on national TV with a camera up your nose, and, and you're having and, like the biggest moment of your life. Suspense, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So it's. I just remember everything. Sort of, if it was a film, it would have dissolved into reverb <laughs> and gotten really blurry. And then I didn't even hear the announcement. I just heard they started playing "Nick of Time." And I looked. <laughs> I was so certain that we weren't going to win that, and uh, and then you just take these little steps up there. And at the time, you know, I didn't know anybody, uh, so I'm looking at the front row, and it was Miles Davis and Bette Midler and Billy Joel. It was like the, that bookstore in Hollywood that's got like Clark Gable and Marilyn Monroe <laughs> painted. This the front row was so iconic. And and it was and there were so few steps to get up there to be standing there. There was you know one small step for a man, you know? uh, and it reminded me of a flashback to when I got an award in sixth grade for like safety <laughs> safety patrol man of the <laughs> of the month, <laughs> and I got up in front of the whole school and my heart was pounding and they they gave I wore I got a yellow belt to wear for, at the crossing for the for that month. And uh, it was like that. It was, it was just, it seemed very small, you know? Like, yeah. It was small. It used to be at the shrine, and it, it was kind of nice. It was in an auditorium. It, you don't oh, even, okay. now you get up there, you don't even see anybody. You yeah, the no, first huge... The first row is, you know, 300 feet away. And everything. But it, it was pretty cool. It was really cool. I, mean, I <laughs> can imagine. <laughs> yeah, man, Miles Davis in the front row. <laughs> it was, it was, Who's this? <laughs> <laughs> this good. Yeah, no, that's that's wild. I mean, I guess what was I gonna say? I don't know. Just to go more broadly again, like you've sort of had to work with so many people, like throughout your career, just mm -hmm. the widest range and. You know how to. It's kind of comes back to teamwork, not to make it too forced. But like, yeah. what's the biggest lesson you've learned about like working with other people, just sort of in your extended career as someone who's worked with so many people? Well, it's a, if I had to distill it down, it would be shut the fuck up and listen to what other people are saying <laughs> yeah. and playing. You know? uh, <laughs> listen. You know, pay attention to what's going on around you. That's, I don't know how to, yeah. but we could distill it down to just shut up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> just never talk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was one time, I was, Bob Dylan's like my hero, right? So 
I finally got a chance to produce him in 1989, right, at, at, right after I won that Grammy with Bonnie. Right? So he does pay attention to awards. <laughs> Some, someone does, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. No, he actually called me the next day and wow. congratulated. He's, you know, he's a, he's a great guy, you know. But um, so I finally got my my date with him, you know, and we went in the studio, and the assistant engineer was trying to do with me a solid and he so he thought I would like to have a recording of every word that was said so he ran a second machine and oh, he gave okay. me the dat tape at the end or it's a cassette yeah. and so I got in the car and I just randomly played one on the way home and what I heard was Bob Dylan telling me what he would like to do and me telling him why it wouldn't work before <laughs> we did it and I and I pulled over. I wanted to throw up. I was just I was just like sick to my stomach. I can almost feel it again. Telling you the story thirty years later, more than thirty years later. Um, and uh, I just thought, what what a what a fucking idiot you are, man. You know, like to to wait your whole lifetime to work with this guy and then not have enough respect to. Or to be so caught up in your own thing, and my own thing, it was idiotic. You know, I was unfit <laughs> to produce Bob Dylan. You know, we, we've remained friendly, and I, I was maybe someday I'd give me another shot at it. But uh, I didn't know what I was doing, and I thought I was going to make the Bob Dylan record that I thought I wanted, which was Blonde on Blonde Part Two. So everything <laughs> I was doing was trying to steer him backwards, right. and. That was the wrongest possible thing to do. Is like here's a guy who doesn't want to go backwards. He's the he's maybe the strongest advocate for for forward. You know, they even call this movie "Don't Look Back." You know, I mean, right. it's just like it's, it's he's constantly evolving. Yeah. Whether whether you like it or not, and usually he's just five years ahead of everybody. And a decade later, they go back and they go, "Oh, that <laughs> album was really good. We we missed that." Because right. everyone wants him to go back and write "Blowing in the Wind" again. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I was trying to steer him into some other thing, and he wanted to do something, and I and I never even tried it. So that, that I, I've tried to never repeat that mistake. Yeah, I mean, at least that's something you learned early on. You know, even the hard way. Yeah, <laughs> you no, know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good. I'm really grateful the guy made the the tape. Yeah. I threw it out. <laughs> I didn't want to hear anymore. I really did. I thought this this shouldn't even exist. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's uh, so painful. Like I don't know. I mean for myself, even listening back to interviews, yeah. you know, yeah. even the ones that I've just done, especially like older ones, like yeah. looking at the yeah. things I was like, it's the same thing. I wasn't listening. You know, it's like if yeah. I were listening to their replies, then I would have better questions. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I wasn't well you're doing a marvelous job today uh, well thank you thank you (laughs) (laughs) that was very kind of you to say um i guess just to kind of wrap things up i don't want to keep you for a million years um are there any things that you've worked on recently that you're really excited about that you can tell us i know i'm sure there's plenty of things that you can't well i I love this rolling stones record yeah um uh, as was happening i was like (laughs) It was jaw dropping, yeah, because they're so good and it's live, you know. So that I, I sit when I produce a record, I like to I don't like to sit in the control room behind the board. I like to be out in the room with the musicians, and so I was just sitting ten feet <laughs> from this, <laughs> and just 
oh my god this is so good you know it was really something it was really you know i'm a lifelong rolling stones fan saw him play for the first time in 1964 and i went to every tour <laughs> and i bought every album up until on the day it came out really until voodoo lounge which i had in advance because <laughs> <I produced> it. <laughs> uh, so but I, i've never gotten over that i still go to see him play all the time and i'm still knocked out and uh this was a really incredible experience and i'm really pleased that what we got what, what when you buy the album or, or stream the album. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you listen to this record, you hear exactly what I heard that day. And so I'm really pleased that we didn't wash out the results or diminish yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Uh, I'm working on a bunch of stuff. There's a new Greg Allman album. That, oh, wow. That we're just finishing up now. We took him and his band to Fame Studios in Muscle Shoals, which oh, wow. is a trip everybody should make. It's just... It's sanctified ground, and it yeah, feels it's like it's on it. my list. It's on my list. You gotta go see it. You know I something? Know. I, I, I'd never been there, and I pulled into the parking lot, and it's really at this kind of innocuous-looking intersection. <laughs> you could be anywhere in America. You know, there's a CVS on the corner. <laughs> <laughs> of course, there is. <laughs> you know, some fried chicken place next door, and uh, but. When I, when I just saw this place and you could just pulling up and parking there, I could feel, you know, that yeah, Wilson Pickett probably parked right here. And I started crying. Like I got overwhelmed. It was like, you know, it's the response I should have had at Niagara Falls. <laughs> <laughs> you know, something like that. You just see something. Awe-inspiring. Uh, yeah, awe-inspiring. Well put. And uh, so anyways, we did that there. And you should yeah. go see it. And uh, let's see, what else is going on? Uh, oh, I'm, I'm working with uh, Niall Horan. Really? Who, yeah, who's like, he's the real deal, man. You know, I'm so impressed <laughs> with this guy. Uh, he, he, he showed up and he had a bunch of really great songs that he wrote, with, you know, and, and he That's sings wild. really well. And he came into the studio and he I barely knew him. And... Uh, he didn't know anyone else there. There's a room full of session musicians, some of them three times as old as he is, really seasoned, yeah. great musicians. And he walked in and was like, he comes by himself, drove himself, no, really, no entourage. Carries his no. guitar, tunes his guitar up himself, and steps up to the microphone. And he was great every single take. He was wow. thoroughly professional and. And just humble and sweet, and everybody loved him. He spent time talking with it. You know, all the musicians hung out, and uh, and he's really good. Really good, yeah. man. The, <laughs> I mean, the directioners will be happy to hear that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. mean, I like. I thought the first single was. I mean, it was better than I expected. Yeah. Not being yeah. a One Direction fan, yeah. I was like, yeah. I mean, it's a solid song. It's you a know, real it solid good. song. Yeah. 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 What was was the vibe similar to to those or? It is, you, you know, I th I think he hired me because I produced an album that he felt was a seminal album for him, and, and I was trying to think, well, what? I'm thinking of the stuff I did 30 years ago, and it was John Mayer, Born and Raised. Wow. Which feels like a pretty recent. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but he's he's so young. <laughs> yeah. 
But I, you know, I I love that record. I'm really I'm glad he liked it, and uh, and John was highly complimented when I told him about it. And uh, so I think he he'd like the. You know, John on that record was trying to do something really organic, and he was trying to evoke the feel of those old Laurel Canyon kind of '60s yeah. California records, and uh, which I think we did in a in a modern way. I'm, I, I love that record, so I was glad he liked it. It's not what you would associate with uh, One no, Direction. Not Although, I, can I tell you something? Yes. I, those records are pretty well done. <laughs> you know that they're, they're they're catchy songs and they're and they're very well produced and performed. Yeah, uh, yeah they made direction. it work. Yeah, it's interesting looking at them because they really like they never totally got the airplay. You know, mm-hmm. they never totally like crossed over into top forty in the way yeah. that most pop stars that are that famous do. Yeah. You yeah. know, is really fandom driven, and yeah. so now it's like that thing of seeing if they can you know, get grown up. <laughs> I think I think Niall's got the stuff, to be honest with you. I think if they do Desert Trip in 50 years... He's going to be he'll, there? He'll be the headliner, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a high compliment. That's a, are you working with John Mayer on his new stuff, too? Or? No, I, no, we're friendly, and he's been working out of Capitol, so I, which uh, is where the okay. Blue Note offices are. Yeah. So I see him all the time, and I, I've been following the progress of it. And... That is one infectious song, man. I love on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's. I think it's a really cool pop record. It's, it's really well written, and I love the textures that are going on behind it. You think it's just a simple little pop song, but really, mm-hmm. if you start listening to the sounds of the guitars and then what he's put under the yeah. guitars, just from a producer standpoint, when I listen to that, I know that that's not something you do in an afternoon. It's right. something that requires weeks of trial and error and changing the yeah. settings on a synthesizer and just sitting there. And I, I've seen him do it. You know, I've seen him. He, he does it himself. Yeah, he'll he's just sit there and on. he'll play with the thing and just keep messing with it. And, uh, it, you know, I think very highly of John. Yeah. No, I, I think that's one of the things that people don't really realize about him is that he's so respected by musicians. He's, I mean, everyone yeah. I know who's a musician is yeah. like, yeah. he's the real deal. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, man. What was I going to say? I don't even remember. It escaped me. Um, but yeah, I think that's all the main questions I had. All but right, good. I hope- I hope you get time to talk about sports on this. Uh, <laughs> we did talk about we did. sports. We, we definitely covered it. All right, good. <laughs> we're just we went in. We went. We went big. We went small. Yeah. You know, <laughs> all over the place. It's good. All right. Lovely, but yeah, thank you again so yeah, much for you. coming it's by. It's great to see you. Yeah. Great to see you again. Too. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Are you sitting on the edge of your seat? Come and watch the Detroit line that no one seems to beat Another one bites the dust Another one bites the dust And another one's gone, and another one's gone And another one bites the dust Hey, I'm gonna get you too and that was Don Waz and Cassidy Hebberth and me and Natalie saying sayonara. 
to yeah. 2016. We're taking a little break from the mic until, um, until New Year's. Next year. Oh my god! Until 2017, aka the future. But AKA. you know, I'm still gonna keep writing. Like I still write on paper. You so I <laughs> watch me still like put 2016 on my to do list. But again, thank you guys so much yes. for everything. Thank you. I'm gonna keep it short. Shout out to the best host Adele. Hey! Shout out to the best co-host Natalie. Hey. <laughs> Um, and shout out to the listeners because without you guys, we'd just be talking to ourselves. <laughs> yeah, which we do anyway, but it's nice that we have some people listening sometimes. For sure. So happy holidays from happy Team Ballin' Now, and we'll see you guys in the new year. Peace. Oh, oh. Fuck the frail shit. Because uh, when my coat come in, they got to use the scale that they weigh the whales with. Carlson's on the Jeep. God, he made the prototype. Hope you get the picture, but you just can't photo like Herman niggas make it. Kicking down the door and we burning niggas naked. The house costs a million. Sitting on the beach and the only thing I know with this furnish, I'm going to take it. My bathtub lift up. My walls do a 360.